Tapping the Keg Daily is live for Friday. It is December 8th. We're going to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and adversity and why it doesn't seem to be going away. We're also going to do superlatives for the Milwaukee Bucks-Indiana Pacers game. We're then going to kind of touch on some storylines for Packers-Giants, get you sort of ready to go, hyped up for Monday. We'll do betting lines on Monday uh, for Monday's show. And that is today's podcast. Before we get going, you got to support the show. Like, we, like we, I did five podcasts this week. Frankly, uh, I'll keep it 100 here. I'm not exactly thrilled to be doing a fifth podcast. I forgot how much five straight days of podcasting fucking suck. Okay, so can we at least get you following on on Twitter or it's called X now? I should I really should call it X. Uh, tapping the keg, tapping the keg sports on Instagram as well as TikTok. Uh, I still am gonna give you straight flames. Like I'm still gonna give you 38 points tonight. Like that's what you're gonna get from me. You're gonna get a Giannis level performance out of me. I'm not gonna give you a hang, hungover Dame performance uh, on this podcast. Uh, and if you are already doing the social media thing, make sure that you're subscribed, Apple, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, if you're already doing that and you're already taking care of, leave a review. We'd appreciate that. Or make sure that you're telling your friends. Make sure you're dropping in a group chat, conversations, holiday parties are going to be hot in the streets this weekend. Make sure you're like, hey, have you checked out Tapping the Cake podcast? It's this great Wisconsin sports podcast. They tape four days a week. The only thing they don't talk about too much is the Badgers. So if you have Badger fan friends, I'm probably not the spot for them. But other than that, I am your guy. So let's talk about the Milwaukee Bucks and why adversity doesn't seem to be going away. The Milwaukee Bucks and adversity have been friends really from the get-go. Adrian Griffin's defense was called in the question early on. Uh, Adrian Griffin had an issue with Terry Stotts before the season even started. Uh, it seems like this has been somewhat tumultuous for a first-year coach. Adrian Griffin has faced a lot of online pressure from Bucks Twitter who do not like him uh, and kind of put their nose up like a cat who smelled something funny or like the aristocrat, you know that aristocrat cat gif? That's basically like half of Packer of uh, Bucks Twitter, excuse me, and it, it's it's not going away. It's not it like at some point I think that there was this expectation, at least on my end, that it would go away. That the Bucks would start playing well, they'd start being a murder machine, and which I've been saying a lot. Probably not a great thing to be saying a lot. I said that about Marquette yesterday, uh, and and it would like it all would go away. It would be like, all right, oh, how foolish were we? Similar to kind of like the Jordan Love stuff, right? Where we're like, if you just would have waited, if you just would have had patience, this all would have worked out in the end. But it does not seem to be getting better. It does not seem to be advancing, right? The Bucks are kind of stalling. They're kind of at the 40-yard line. They're not finishing drives. They are sort of just hanging out sort of in the middle of the field wondering if they can push this team to the next level. Today, after the game, you had Chris Haynes, who is Damian Lillard's kind of right-hand guy for the media. He also does a lot of stuff with Giannis. It came out that Bobby Portis confronted Adrian Griffin about sort of the way he structured the game at the end and the way that he wasn't necessarily getting the right guys the ball and that 
basically it was unorganized in the final four minutes of this game. Griffin obviously said he had to be better. And, you know, what Griffin typically says, like, I have to do a better job coaching. He always, you know, takes the responsibility. But when you always take the responsibility, it starts to kind of feel hollow. So this is the third major story, as my guy Shafty, bro, uh, one of my favorite Bucks Twitter guys, uh, pointed out it, that's been a problem. We, we discussed both, like the stats stuff, the drop coverage after three games where the Bucks players had to go to him. And now this. And then you had Giannis Antetokounmpo's comments. Now, granted, it was him ripping. He said it was all player-focused. He did not say it was coach-focused. Now, remember, while Giannis did not pick Adrian Griffin, he wanted a player, a former coach to be, or a former player, excuse me, to be the coach of this team. He did not want a Mike Budenholzer type to be on this bench. Nick Nurse being the premier example that the Bucks probably could have had. I think Nick Nurse, if you would ask him in a dark alleyway, would you rather be coaching Giannis or Embiid? I think he would say Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think anyone would rather coach Giannis over Embiid, personally. But Giannis's comments were, I mean, he, he was pretty tough on the team. Like he was tough on the team in general. And it was not, you know, it wasn't just, you know, the coaches, but Giannis said this. And, and like, I can't help but think that like it's coach base too. I feel like sometimes we're not organized at all. We do not know what we're trying to get from our offense or sometimes defensively, we're not sprinting back. Now that's player, that's player specific. We do not shoot a lot of early threes. Uh, at the end of the day, you have to protect the ball. You have to know where the ball is. We have a lot of situations today where they got a lot of dunks, open threes, early threes. We have to be better. Now, some of that's player focused and Giannis is completely spot on. There was just lackluster defense from the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks parts, maybe most of the team, except for Anthony Kumbo, lived it up in Vegas, had a good time in Vegas. And one of the things that I've noticed from this Bucks team and a difference from Adrian Griffin and Mike Boonholzer is I think Griffin runs a pretty loose ship. I think because he's a former player, he gets it. He understands that these guys wanna go out. These guys wanna have a good time, but he hasn't necessarily installed any sort of curfew or any sort of you know guidelines to basically how to party. And I have never seen the Bucks look so lackadaisical at certain points. And they looked hungover, especially Damian Lillard in the first half. And I know Damian Lillard's going through a divorce. He's living up his single life. He's probably beating all the cheeks that he can that he couldn't before he, when he was married. Like, I get it. That's huge divorce dad energy from Damian Lillard. That said, you gotta rein him in a little bit. Like, you gotta like say, hey, like, can we turn it down like two notches? Like, I get it. You wanna go out, you wanna have fun. That's, that's cool but we need to like turn it down just a touch. And that's all sort of culminated in this adversity because we have that problem. We have the fact that Adrian Griffin keeps getting called out by his players. We have the fact that Adrian Griffin isn't necessarily adjusting, that Adrian Griffin didn't figure out that in the final four minutes of the game, Chris Middleton was running the offense through him. And Chris Middleton thought it was Chris Middleton time. Now, back in the day, that was the case. But this Chris Middleton has a new role on this team. And he is the guy that is sort of the aux cord. He's the auxiliary guy. Like he's not, 
He's not the first option. And the fact that Giannis Antetokounmpo and Damian Lillard had a lack of touches is why that Bobby Porter story leaked. Now, it's very possible that these type of things happened in the Bucks locker room last year and the years prior. No disrespect to Eric Name, but he doesn't have the sources that Chris Haynes does. And because we have boots on the ground like Chris Haynes, we're going to get these kind of stories, okay? And that's a part of the game. And that's honestly more reason why a first-year coach could have some significant struggles. It's, it needs to be ironed out here in these next two weeks. These next two weeks are extremely crucial for the Milwaukee Bucks. They have six straight games at home. The Bucks are going to be in Milwaukee from December 7th when they arrive, if they're not staying in Vegas, to December 23rd before they head out to play New York. December 22nd, technically. The Bucks are going to be home for 15 days. That's pretty damn rare in the NBA. You don't usually see that. It's only six games that they're playing. So they have a lot of like time off as well. And they're nine and two, or nine, or sorry, 10 and 10 and one at home. They beat the Knicks. And they'll play Indiana uh, next Wednesday, which is a great revenge spot. You, have, you basically can absolve your last two losses. You play Chicago on Monday, Indiana on, two, on Wednesday. You play that lackluster Pistons team on Saturday, which don't count the bucks out from losing. You play Houston on Sunday, San Antonio, Orlando, and then you head out to New York for an 11.30 tip. And if the Bucs have trouble, you know, being lackluster at 2 p.m. Pacific, I shudder to think what they're going to look like at 12, 12.30 Eastern on a Saturday. But anyways, there is opportunity for Milwaukee to kind of right the ship, to kind of say, all right, what's going on? Like, you have three days off now too, right? And Giannis mentioned that as another comment. Like, we have three days off to kind of figure this out, to expedite team chemistry. And they keep talking about the chemistry, the chemistry, the chemistry. And at this point, I kind of thought things would be solved. I thought that things would kind of be coming together. And they're not. So is that because of the coach? Is that because the players' egos are too big? Is that because the combination of guys don't work? Whether it's Chris, whether it's Brooke. Uh, what, whatever it may be, the Bucks have to solve a lot. Now, I think where it is interesting here is the Milwaukee Bucks, December 15th is the first day you can trade certain guys, which is next Friday. Then you have the January 15th date, which I believe is Monday. And that's when you can trade certain other players. I think if the Bucs were to make a move in terms of their coaching staff, I think it would have to be somewhere in between that because you'd want the coach the coach to get an evaluation of what he has and what he needs. And I, I just wonder, I don't think they're going to fire Adrian Griffin. I, I don't know how you can. Like, it would be absolutely unprecedented. It would make Giannis look bad. It would make a lot of these guys look bad. Maybe they don't care. Maybe they think, you know, what happened with the 2016 Cavs, the Bucs can do the same thing and hire their version of Ty Lue, get Ty Lue in. I'm not saying actually Ty Lue, but you get my point. Like a guy like Ty Lue and win basketball games. 
I, but I, the guys on the bench right now, do you trust Joe, Joe Prontney to lead a championship team? Do you trust Patrick Matumbo? Has a has a good credentials, but do you really trust Patrick Matumbo to be the guy that leads Milwaukee to a championship? I don't. You probably have to bring somebody in and you have to pay them and you have to convince them to live in Milwaukee to get Terry Stotts to come back. I, I don't know if Terry Stotts would. That's They could have, you know, cut the bait with, may not cut the bait with Griffin, but resolve the Griffin-Stotts sort of fissure and they didn't. They I think from my understanding, I don't have a source, but they sided with Adrian Griffin. They didn't necessarily give an inch on Terry Stotts. So why would Terry Stotts want to come back and probably tell him to fuck off? Doc Rivers is not going to leave his ESPN job. Kenny Atkinson is still an assistant, but is he really going to leave? Is that really going to happen? Are they going to do what the Timberwolves did with Chris Finch? Kenny Atkinson is a pretty hard-ass guy. I mean, that would be a total 180 from what I think the Bucs have right now. Because I don't know exactly what Griffin's coaching style is. And I, I think that that is the, I think that's the problem, right? Uh, my guy Dan Motch said he gives off Wojo vibes. And I never thought about that. And I'm still not off the train. I want that the record to be shown. But when he said that, I, I, I couldn't help but think about it. I couldn't help but wonder, is that the case? And I, I just, I think the Bucks need to just come together. Everybody talk out their problems. If it, if it continues for another game, maybe two, and just really start to figure out what works the best and what needs to happen. The end of game stuff was inexcusable. And I think that's where it boiled over because the Bucks saw opportunity to play the Lakers, LeBron versus Giannis, a major primetime game and win some money. And they just fell apart in the fourth quarter. There was no organization. They did not, campaign was out for far too long. Campaign, I mean, he had just such a bad stretch and yet campaign gets fourth quarter minutes. I understand you gotta rest some guys, but again, with the rotations, they've, they haven't been getting better. And that is the fundamental problem. We are stalling out. And that's not to say you can't, you know, hit a big play down the middle on third down. But we're we're second, we're in like second down territory with like 11 or 12 yards to go. So it's on the Bucks, it's on the players, it's on the coaches, it's on the owners, it's on the GM, it's on everybody to figure this out and try to flush the adversity before it's too late. Moving on, uh, we're staying with Bucks, but we're doing something a little different. Uh, you know, I, I'm still trying to figure out what what the secret sauce is for the Milwaukee Bucks game. And I did the five things to know, which I, I like, but I, I kind of like superlatives. I was thinking about this while I was watching the game uh, on the spin bike, which was not exactly my smartest idea. I kind of dilly-dallied out there. It would have been perfect if I did it at like the second quarter or the first quarter, but I did it at like the third quarter. And then by the end of my workout, it was like five minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. So I had to romp, whatever. You guys don't care. But, at, but <laughs> anyways, superlatives. 
guy who, and if you don't know what a superlative is, it's like, you know, what high schoolers used to get, right? Where you'd be like, I, I wanted like work most random uh, in high school. And I really wasn't that random. But for some reason, I wanted to be most random. Uh, I tried to rig that. I want worse jokes, uh, which I, I still thought was unfair at this time. Uh, but, you know, it, it is what it is. You know, it, I mean, superlatives are just, you know, it's it's one of those things that you might want something, but you just can't get it, you know? Um, or if you win like Biggest Flirt, you're clearly a slut. Like that's just, that's how it was back in the day. I realize that that is very misogynistic, but that was how it was back in the day. Just sorry, just calling it how it is. All right, Giannis Antetokounmpo, most likely to be the man while also not getting the ball in the last four minutes. We touched on that that second part, but Giannis was incredible in this game. Uh, Giannis dominates Indiana. And why I liked the Bucs to get to the uh, in-season tournament final was because of his success against Indiana. Uh, Giannis, 37 points, 19 on 13 and 19 shots, 11 or 13 from the free throw line, uh, 10 rebounds. Uh, he also had a couple blocks. Uh, it was a, a, only one turnover too. Like awesome night from Antetokounmpo. Uh, he was all over the all over the floor. Um, I, I really enjoyed what what I saw from Antetokounmpo. I wish he would have got the ball more um, at the end. Like he needed to be a bigger force in that fourth quarter, uh, and just wasn't. And that was extremely frustrating because Giannis easily could have had another fifty point game against this team, and. I didn't talk about it because the Griffin thing happened. Originally, my like topic was going to be about not worrying about Indiana. And I, I really don't because I think when you get Pat Connaughton back, you get Jay Crowder back, when even Andre Jackson Jr., you know, as he develops, right? When I expect Andre Jackson Jr. to have a major role in this team when they're in the playoffs. Uh, add to the fact that they can't guard Giannis, it's, it's going to be a problem for them. Uh, and it's, it's just not going to... I don't think work in a seven-game series. I, I also don't believe in Indiana's running gun in 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 terms of a playoff series. I, I just think at some point it's kind of gonna get exposed. Um, but we'll see. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Most likely to have a hangover uh, on the court. That was Damian Lillard. Uh, he came in with sunglasses. He was kind of smiling. He might have been still drunk. Uh, not sure. But yeah, Dame was absolutely hung over that first half um we already addressed it we said you know hey well we got to tone down the divorce dad energy just a little bit uh but yeah uh Damian Lillard the stats 24 points uh he had seven rebounds seven assists uh he actually had a really good third quarter he kind of woke up he sweated out his hangover uh but maybe a puke and rally at halftime and then just didn't really get the ball again in the fourth quarter. Um, and we, we've we went over that a few times, but it's frustrating. And who knows? Maybe if maybe things would have been different had Damon Giannis had a little more say in the, those final four, four or five minutes. The team most mad at the Indiana Pacers. So you might think, oh, Charlie, that's the Milwaukee Bucks. They just lost to them, right? Well, no. Because there's a lot of teams that could be mad at the structure of this Pacers team. Number one, Ty Tyrese Halliburton and the Sacramento Kings. Sacramento Kings fans have to be apoplectic. I understand that De'Aaron Fox had a great season. I understand the light the beam stuff, but Tyrese Halliburton is a better player than DeMontis Sabonis. 10 times over 10. 
and they could add this guy forever and they traded him away. Phoenix Suns also drafted Jalen Smith over Tyrese Halliburton. Fun fact, Tyrese Halliburton could have been the backup point guard for the Suns in the 2021 NBA Finals. Thank fucking God that didn't happen. Other teams that could be mad at the Pacers, Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin's a productive player and he got into Tibbs' doghouse. Uh, Tibbs didn't let him out and Obi Toppin's been pretty solid for for the Indiana Pacers. Uh, And then Aaron Neesmith and the Boston Celtics. Aaron Neesmith was a lottery pick and yes, he only had six points, but the guy worked his ass off defensively. Uh, He was plus 16 and really played well. He also had a pretty solid game, if I'm not mistaken, against the Celtics the night before. Yeah, 14 points against the Celtics. He had a big shot late as well. Like, you know, he's 6'6", but he's a tank. And you think about Boston, and I, and I know like it's not necessarily looking good for the Bucs, but they could have really used an Aaron Neesmith guy it, with Grant Williams and Marcus Smart leaving. Uh, and they traded him for Malcolm Brogdon. And he's and I know it got him Drew Holiday, but man, I don't know. Aaron Neesmith seems like he would have been a solid uh, role player for the Celtics, especially on their bench. So I, I think it's still the Kings, but it I think the Celtics are pretty upset. I think the Knicks are upset. I think the Suns are upset, but it's, it's the Kings. I mean, you, you can't run from it if you're a Kings fan because it's just, he's, I mean, Halburn's gonna get MVP conversations about him starting Monday. Like it's probably I'll start today. So, sorry, but it, but it will it will amp up as it goes on. The Just Do Something Award goes to Bobby Portis. Um, I I most likely to do nothing. I think it would act, that's the superlative, not the award. Uh, Bobby, man, like I I don't know. I I don't know what Bobby's role is on this team right now. And yes, he spoke up and all this stuff, but Bobby has not been good for the Bucks, And it, it continues to be a problem. Uh, he continues to be lackluster defensively. Uh, I, I just don't necessarily know what they're getting on a night-to-night basis out of Bobby Portis. It's been really bad. And, he to, and for a lot of people, he's on the trade block. And I know the admiration and love that the city has for him. I know how mad the casual fans will be. The, you know, my dad or my mom who watch, you know, maybe one Bucks game every 10 games and they'll be upset. But the ones who watch, the ones who know ball understand that Bobby Portis doesn't fit on this roster. He'll, he, he'll get value. There'll be a ton of value for Bobby Portis. And he is likely the key, he is likely the guy to kind of reshape this Bucks roster. Uh, and I, I just don't see Bobby long in the tooth here in Milwaukee. And I'm sure he'll rip Adrian Griffin and you know, the whole thing because we'll, we'll have that happen. But I, I can't see Bobby Portis, you know, being here at the end of the year. I would be shocked if Bobby Portis is here in March. Like that, that would legitimately shock me if Bobby Portis was here. The I want to wring your neck out award. I, I keep getting superlatives and awards mixed up. We'll we'll work on this. We'll get better at this for uh, Tuesday's show. But the person most likely you'd want to wring their neck out campaign. Uh, man, I, God. His campaign stat lines, fucking absolute trash. He was minus 18. He had 14 points or four points, excuse me. He shot nine times. Nine. 
campaign shot as much as Malik Beasley. That's fucking not like no. Like I understand he had a nice game the first time he played the Pacers, but no way should campaign be shooting that much in a meaningful basketball game. Not a not a fan. Not a fan at all of that. So yeah, campaign gets uh I, I just and then he gets technical and I, I felt like that was just such a big moment in the game where it kind of flipped a little bit and it flipped more to Indiana. And yeah, I, I just can't really have, you know, the nonsense that campaign's bringing to the table. Most likely to chuck a three when he doesn't need to, Brooke Lopez. 10 three-point attempts from Brooke Lopez is far too many. Like, come on. Like, I understand he's open, but you don't always have to shoot every time you're open. Uh, at 10 missed threes, or uh, seven missed threes is rough. Um, that to me seems high for Brooke Lopez. I just like he shot more threes than Damian Lillard by one, right? But he shot more threes than Malik Beasley, who's been right. Uh, Beasley had a bad game. Like, this is his first bad Beasley game in a while. But like, what is Brooke Lopez doing shooting 10 three pointers? Like, I, I just I don't see a scenario where I want Brooke Lopez to shoot 10 three pointers. He did shoot 10 and made six against Chicago now. So that kind of throws it in my face. But this is this is what three three times that Brooke Lopez has shot, you know, 10, 10 or more or 10 on the nose. I just I feel like that's too much, man. I don't know if you guys agree, disagree, but yeah, I I'm not a fan of it. As for a look, oh no, we can do a look. Uh, do we want to do a look ahead on, on Monday? We might do a look at it Monday. I don't know if I have any other superlatives, any other thoughts. I, I mean, I wish the Bucs would have just played better. I think I know that's very John Madden of me, but man, it is such an uneven game. Like the first quarter was close. Then the Pacers kicked our ass in, in the second quarter. Then we kicked their ass in the third quarter and kind of looked like we were leaning on them a little bit. And then the Pacers pulled away. And it that's that's really rough. Uh, that is that is really really rough. And again, I I don't think the Bucks have a Pacers problem. I think with the way the roster is constructed right now, with the lack of bench, it's a problem. But I don't think that that's going to be an issue come April or May. The real question I think with the Pacers is, will they beat the Bucks out for the Central Division crown? That's that's the one that is a little more interesting slash worth talking about. Because the Pacers are like the kings of last year. And the Pacers are going to be, you know, a top three team in the East or a top four in the East with Orlando being right there. Like that makes the Bucks a five seed. And at best, the Bucks are a five seed. And would mean that they do not have home court for the entire playoffs. And I know it didn't matter for Miami, but the Bucs are pretty good at home. I don't know if you saw it 10-1. We talked about it a little earlier. That, to me, is the bigger concern. The bigger concern with Indiana is the fact that Indiana gives a shit. The fact that Indiana wants to be out there every game. They're busting their ass, working hard. Tyrese Halliburton has hit another level. And if they take overtake them for the Central Division at the end of the year, the Bucs are going to be in the fifth spot. And that will make things really difficult because 
not only are you going to probably go against a talented team that's the four seed, maybe it's the Magic, right? Just let's use them. You then have to play the one seed, which probably is Boston or Philadelphia. And then you'd have to play either Boston or Philadelphia or Indiana, who knows, on the road to start. And you'd be down two games. You know, you'd only have three games at home. I just, I understand the NBA is a little different. It's getting more like hockey where home court doesn't matter. But I still feel like for a Bucks team that's playing as well as they are at home, I feel like that is something to monitor and just check in. Now it's early, right? Like when the Bulls were red hot, uh, what was that? Is that 2021? When the Bulls were like red hot, I think that was 2021. And you had the Caruso thing and, and that all went to shit. And then the Bulls, you know, where it ended up being, I think a six seed at the end of it. It's still really early. I understand everyone's very excited about the Pacers. I get it. Uh, but it's very early. Things can change rapidly in the NBA. So we'll see. We shall see. That's my real fear, I guess, with Indiana. Uh, before we move on to Green Bay Packers storylines against the New York football giants. Let's get into it. The Green Bay Packers are heading to the Meadowlands. I don't think they call it the Meadowlands anymore. MetLife to play the New York Giants on a Monday night. Uh, the Giants are four and eight. The Giants are likely done for the year. I mean, there is an outside shot. The Giants could get in the playoffs. They'd have to win out. Tommy DeVito is still going to be the quarterback for the Giants. Uh, we're going to get a lot of Italian puns, puns excuse me, uh, during the Monday night broadcast. There's no question about it that they're going to hit us over the head with different Italian references He's leaning into it. They did like an Italian food ranking. Tommy DeVito is as much of a juice head as you could possibly get. I think they call him a juice monkey in Jersey Shore. Like that's Tommy DeVito. Like there is no doubt in my mind that Tommy DeVito has banged someone that's looked like Snooky or Wow or Sammy Sweetheart or all three. Like that is Tommy DeVito in a nutshell. It would not also surprise me if Tommy DeVito had family in the mob. Like that would not surprise me in the slightest. And so all that to say, it's going to get very fucking annoying with all the Italian uh, stuff, which I, I don't know how important of a storyline that is, but it's something that I just can't seem to get away from. Like, I, I think it's the people I follow. Sometimes things trend and it's just the people you follow and, you, and everyone that you follow is talking about it. So then you think it's bigger than it is. But yeah, the video stuff kind of drives me a little nuts. Um, as for uh, the game itself, the Packer pass rush, I think, is going to be a huge focus uh, in this game. Uh, the New York Giants are woeful at stopping the, stopping the pass rush. And the Green Bay Packers should be able to eat. And they've been eating. Like, they have been a big part of the turnaround for Green Bay in the last few weeks. Uh, we've really seen just a great pass rush, whether it's Sean Gary, Luke Van Ness, Preston Smith, uh, Kenny Clark in the middle, Co uh, Corey Wooden, uh, Carl Brooks, like all those guys are getting their you know piece of flesh. And you got to pray for Tommy DeVito in this matchup with how good this Packer pass rush has been because their offensive line is the worst in the NFL in terms of protecting the quarterback. This from Jacob Morley uh, of what Packer Report? 
Andrew Thomas has a 95.7 grade. It's not available because it's below 250 snaps. Justin Pugh has a 95.0. That ranks 56 out of 58 offensive guards. John Michael Schmitz, not to be confused with John Michael Jingleheimer Schmidt, uh, 96 and a half, which is 32nd out of 34 centers. Ben Brendelson, say that five times fast, 96.4, 51 out of 58. That's not bad. Uh, he's the only one. And when I say not bad, that's very facetious. And then Evan Neal, who might not play, who's had issues with the New York media, is 59 and of 66 offensive tackles. Whew. Giants are bad. And I know that they've won the last two games, but they beat the Patriots 10-7, and they beat a commander's team that loves to lose to the Giants. I don't know how much stock you can put into either of those games. And Tommy DeVito is definitely going to be seeing a different defense with the Packer pass rush. And say what you want about Joe Barry in the defensive backfield. It's still an issue. There were the, the Travis Kelsey stuff was a complete mess. But they do get to the quarterback. They do find their way home. And I, I really, I really think that you know, the Packers will make a lot of noise on DeVito. And I think he'll struggle uh, against that Packer pass rush. And I, I, when they, they, but they have to force him into obvious passing downs. The running attack of the Giants is not bad. It's not good either. Um, but you have Saquon Barkley. And Saquon can make chicken shit into chicken salad. And that's concerning. And that's the way that they win this game is if Saquon completely takes over. And if the Packers are a little sleepy to start and Saquon's going off, that's going to be a problem for Green Bay. They do not want the Giants to play with a lead. The best thing the Packers can do is what they've done the last two weeks and get out early on a lead. Make Tommy DeVito beat you. If Tommy DeVito beats you, you know, that while frustrating, you can't say you didn't try to slow down Saquon. And Saquon is their best player you have to slow him down. That, to me, is crucial uh, with what the Packers are approaching it from a defensive side of the ball. It all sounds like they're going to get Eric Stokes back, which is great. Uh, I do worry about the MetLife turf. Uh, it's hard not to. There's been a ton of injuries on that turf. And I know Aaron Jones has been practicing. I know that Stokes has just mentioned coming probably off the IR. But I, I worry about those guys for the, you know, to make sure that they have, you know, what it takes to deal with that turf. And I realize they're professional athletes. I get it. I get the whole thing. But they've seen so many fucking injuries. And I'm just going to be crossing my fingers the entire game that everybody stays healthy on that turf. Uh, that turf, man, is, it's just, it, it is what it is at this point. It's, you know, really, really a bad picture into you know what's going on in the NFL and the turf versus grass debates and the whole thing that we had earlier this season, uh, but yeah, that turf it's it's part of the storyline. It it really is because you know will the Packers hold back guys? Will they hold back Aaron Jones? Will they hold back Christian Watson because they just don't trust the turf? And you'll be back at Lambeau's turf, and then you have grass against Carolina, and then you're in the U.S. Bank Stadium, which has turf, but it's not. I think as treacherous as what the Giants have. Who knows? We'll, we'll certainly have to see and, and keep an eye on that. And 
I think, you know, obviously it's what does Jordan Love have for the encore, right? Like he he has this great game against the Chiefs. He had a great game against the Lions. What does he now do again? Like the, the expectations, I think we have to take it down a notch. Giants defense, again, not very good. You have Wink Martindale blitzing his absolute ass off. And, but I, as I said on a podcast earlier this week, like they're going to be ready for that. They are going to be prepared for that. Steve Spagnuolo just blitzed the hell out of him for an entire game. Todd Bowles, had blitz, or not Todd Bowles, he will uh, the following week. Uh, but Brian Flores, you know, blitzes all the time. So I think Love will be ready for all the blitzes that are coming his way. I don't think that that's going to be a surprise or shock. I, I just, I think the biggest storyline to kind of wrap this thing up is they just have to get off the ground. Like they can't necessarily be lackadaisical like our Milwaukee Bucks. I've said that word now, that and lackluster like a few times, but they just can't sort of start slow. They let the Giants hang around and let the Giants believe they can win this game. They're going to be in trouble, and it's going to come down to the wire. And Monday nights have been a little kooky here, so more fuel to the fire of my tinge of worry about this game. All right, that does it for the podcast. We will be back on Monday. Uh, we'll talk Packer Giants betting lines. We're also going to give grades to Marquette Notre Dame, uh, and we'll hopefully. No more Bucks drama. Hopefully we have no more Bucks drama. Uh, we'll figure out some other stuff to talk about on Monday and then pack a recap on Tuesday as well as Bucks. Probably off Wednesday then. Yeah, probably Wednesday. Day off Wednesday. Mitch and I back in it on Thursday and then Friday. So that will probably be what you're looking at next week. If you care, I'm sure I'll tell you guys that again on Monday. You guys have a great weekend. Uh, if you're going to Marquette game, let me know. I'll be there. I'll be up up in the upper duck with the common common folk. Um, hit me up, Tabby the Kag on Twitter. Feel free to slide in those DMs. I'll buy a beer. I, I will. Uh, I oh I didn't even I didn't even shout out my guy KBO Rocks who uh, gave me uh, tickets for Wednesday's game. Uh, he he's the man. Uh, I wasn't able to get a beer with him, but I, I will say beers are on me. They're always on me. I whenever. Whenever we meet up, that's that's kind of the the one thing that I've stood tried and true. Now, not a lot of people have held me to it. That's okay. Um, I know you guys listen, and that's that's all that matters to me. All right, take care of yourself. Have a good weekend. Stay safe, and we'll be back on Monday. Don't also don't say anything dumb to your coworkers if you have like an office holiday party on Friday, or if you did say something dumb, or you did something dumb, just gotta embrace it. Um, I told my blackout story last year. Uh, maybe if we have time uh, next Friday, we can tell that story again because it's an annual. It's like one of those things. It's like uh, Muppets Christmas Carol. You just gotta you gotta tell it every year. Um, so maybe we'll uh, we'll run that back. Uh, I, it, it's waning the more years that pass, but we've all had one. So maybe we'll uh, do story time with Chuck uh, next week. All right, I've rambled enough. See ya. Bye.